sage and fighting the fight. He has fought cities. He has fought counties. Politicians. Naysayers. Hell, he's even fought mayors. Thank you for listening to Sage and the Houseless Movement, a weekly show dedicated to the news and views of the homeless locally and worldwide. And all other things considered homeless? Yes. Broadcasting live from your Alexa device, the Radio Free Network app, iOS, WMBU.org, Many Voices United, and the RadioFreeNetwork.com. And now, from some wooded area in Akron, Ohio, here is Sage the Rage Lewis. I don't know how people get to the place they get in their lives. Like, you know that song... This is not my beautiful life. This, my, you know, that whole thing. Love that song. I don't really understand what it means, but I love it. But right now, I am sitting on one of about five parcels of land that I own next to a building that I own. That's what sixteen thousand square foot building. There's a house that um, my charity owns. It's kind of like a ghetto compound. (laughs) It is where we had our um, tent village where we had 50 tents and the city took them down. Uh, But I'm at it again, but in a different way. So uh, I'm currently on this land which has a park-like setting the ground is kind of uh wood chipped uh there's trees all around birds are chirping (laughs) um i'm experimenting with my mobile uh, podcasting studio. So I've got two microphones here. I haven't organized a interview or anything, but I thought you never know. I mean, there's some people here kind of hanging out that I don't know. And that's beautiful because I have a vision of this, um, being kind of a memorial space Um, A friend of mine, Ashley, who is a great supporter of homeless people, I think I'd like to get her on this group, on this uh, show, um, has determined that her, her interest is anybody that is unloved and forgotten. And I just love that phrase. And I'm thinking about making this park or maybe calling it a garden for the unloved and forgotten. I just love that. Um, because I look around and you know, they'll have parks or signs and they'll be like, never forget, never forget. We forget all the time. (laughs) We're always forgetting. There's a literally a park down about just around the corner from my land here. And it's called 
not forgotten or something. I literally don't even know who they're talking about. I don't know who we forgot, who we for not to forget, but they are forgotten. We're all forgotten. <laughs> uh, the mightiest of us are forgotten. We're all just passing through, you know. And it hurts our soul to be forgotten. It hurts um, to think that we will not be remembered. But we will not. We will not be remembered. Um, and even the most memorable of us humans just become a faint shadow of ourselves. Maybe, you know, our name and our stories are referenced in textbooks. Um, maybe every once in a while there's a historical drama created about us. But it's not the full story. It's not the true power. It doesn't do justice to the life that was lived. It's just some pictures. And uh, so, you know, most of us are unloved and forgotten. Kind of the point of this work that I'm doing, I kind of see it a, a bit as a performance art project that we're all homeless. We're all alienated and isolated and separated from our communities. And like one of those eager teenagers that, you know, tries to suck up to the cool kids. We're all trying to act like we're part of the group. We mow our lawns right. We buy the right houses. We wear the right clothes. We drive the right cars. All in hope that we will feel a part of our community. But deep down, we don't. We lead lives of quiet desperation. I think, is that uh, Thoreau that I sa said that? Leading lives of quiet desperation. We're all homeless. And people that are, that we have categorized as homeless, we are terrified of them because they are a representation of our true selves. Living in fabric houses that will turn to dust, leading inadequate lives, God loving us despite our terrible inadequacies. 
We're all homeless. And we don't like it. We don't want to admit it. We don't want to admit that we are unheard and unlistened to and not understood. We don't want to admit our own impermanence, our own pointlessness. They say that irreplaceable people die all the time. (laughs) And the world still goes on. No matter how important you think you are, you're not important at all. The world keeps going on. Somebody takes your place. Somebody does you better than you. And uh, you don't want to admit it. But if we would admit it, if we would admit our... uselessness and pointlessness amidst a useless and pointless surrounding, I think we could find some personal happiness. I think we could find some peace Because who we really need to forgive are ourselves. Hey, Andrew. How are you, buddy? Good. You moved your tent over. Is that okay where it's at? I think so. I was going to suggest we keep it on this land, but I love the the space of it, you know? Oh, was it real hot? So now you're... Ridiculous. So good point. So now you're under some shade. Yeah. I think it's great. It's great. Yeah, man. I'm doing a podcast. You want to audio? You want to join me? Take, take a rain check. All right. Well, it's looking nice around here. Okay. Do we need our own mower? Do you think we need our own mower? When we get the garage, we can start storing stuff in the garage. Right. Like, garage like, like put garage things in our garage. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Uh, we're growing right up, Andrew. We're growing right up, putting garage things in a garage. Working, living like real adults. We're adulting. What? When you put garage things in your garage. What? I know. It's happening. Oh it's happening to the, I, I'm, t- I'm scared too. I, was, this, this I know, I know. 
I love your your dog that sits outside your tent. Oh yeah, yeah. He's good. What happened to the other big dog that that Dalmatian? Uh, he disappear? Uh, oh, Melissa. Oh, it was Melissa's. I don't know. Yeah, he just disappeared. Yeah. Journeyed off. Yeah. Well, very good. All right. Well, if you don't want to be part of my exciting podcast, I got to go on without you. Well, I mean, I, I would love to say yes, but I'm not, I'm not too good with the, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, how do you know if you I haven't tried? Record myself with my uh, brother. <laughs> well, why don't you grab that mic, sit down, and just try it for five minutes? I'm an amazing interviewer. I don't know. I don't know what you're going to get interviewed for. Oh, boy. All right, I'll come back. All right, you come back. Think about it. Yeah. Because I got questions about, uh, you know, like what it's like being homeless. How are you feeling? How are you doing? I got a lot of questions. Oh, boy, what it's like being homeless. It sucks. It sucks big what kind of balls? Big fat frog. Oh, big fat frog balls. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, that, I bet some frogs have balls. I don't know. Good question. I don't know. I love what you're doing, Andrew. You're clean. You're, that's great. Um, so there's. Yeah, man, you're cleaning it out. It's looking beautiful. So there's two guys that live here right now. There's Andrew and Rob. And uh, I was just talking to Andrew. I'll see if I can get him on the thing. He was a little nervous. I kind of wanted to do just audio because I thought maybe people would feel less self-conscious as opposed to cam. People really hate cameras. And so my theory is maybe uh, they would hate uh, audio less. We'll see. Um, I know Rob will do it. Rob does anything. But Andrew was at our tent village. He lived there, he says, a year and a half. And then when the city shut us down, they committed to housing everyone. And they tried really hard. They, they had weekly meetings. They worked on it really, really hard. Um, but a group did not get housed and Andrew was one of them. And he, I, I think I helped him move back into the woods. I helped several people move back into the woods. Uh, but he's never, since then that ended in 2019. It's now May, January of 2019 is now May of 2021. And he, uh, has not been in a house since. And now he's back here. And, um, I've got a couple ideas of what I'm doing here. So first of all, it's, um, this is a protest by putting two tents in a tiny house on my own land. I'm protesting the outrageous policy that we cannot shelter certain American citizens. But what makes my thing a little bit different is most people occupy other people's land. You know, I've seen people take over houses owned by a city. I've seen people take over 
uh, hotels. The difference with my thing is I'm occupying my own land. <laughs> I'm not squatting on the city's land. I'm not squatting on the uh, railroad land. I'm on my own land. So it adds this interesting conundrum. And now the other thing is when I first tried this, the, there was a person that owned owned the house right next to us and he didn't like having all those tents next to his house. Well, it turns out we bought the house. So now I own the house while well, the charity owns the house and I bought another piece of land. There's only one piece of land that's missing in the puzzle and that guy's been long dead and I've tried to buy it, but I'm having trouble, but maybe I'll get it through the city. We'll see. But at any rate, um, it's about five parcels of land. It's, I don't know how big of a spot it is. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but it's park size, you know? So at any rate, um, so it's a protest for the fact that there are people living in tents and, uh, in the woods and, they, it's terrible living in the woods in an unsanctioned village. It's dangerous. You're alone. You're isolated. Uh, and you are easily victimized in the woods by yourself. So on this land, they both feel safer. Both Rob and Andrew feel safer. And that's probably the biggest thing that they like about it. Now, I've also bought them these $200 cabin tents from Sam's Club. And they're both the same, two big Sam's Club tents. And so, and, and the tiny house is a plastic shed I bought from Sam's Club for about $800. Now, so we have the base that this is a protest, but then we have the fact that, uh, I believe I have the right to shelter people on my own land. Uh, it's my land. God damn it. <laughs> and I am pretty isolated out here. Okay. This isn't, and, and I am in the ghetto. I am in the ghetto, man. Um, but what's different this time is it's only two tents in a tiny house opposed to 50 tents. 50 tents is a lot. Um, but we need those size. If we're going to make, real meaningful inroads in sheltering homeless people. We need camps that size. And I believe the 30 to 50 person camp is ideal. I've had more people and I don't like it. I've had upwards of 75 people that feels really wild, but 30 to 50 is a community. And what's interesting about it is, is in some ways it's easier to run a community because the payment for living here is you have to contribute an hour a day to the community. And so all the stuff gets cleaned up. The trash gets cleaned up. There's raking, there's organizing, there's trimming, there's mowing. It all happens with 30 to 50 people. It's amazing. Whereas with two people, you don't have a community uh, per se. And so I end up doing a lot of the work. Like right now there's a trash can full of trash right here. And, uh, I got to get it out of here because it's already brimming over the, and, and, and I was just here a couple days ago. So if I don't do that, that trash is going to go everywhere. So 
I'm more hands-on now than I was. Most what I was still the trash man in the other group, but what happened was they would bring the trash up to the front. We had our tra- two uh, big uh, dumpsters up the road. We would uh, drive the trash up the road, and I would I would use my truck and dump that way. Um, but so I would do that, but I didn't have to clean up the actual camp typically, but now I'm a big part of cleaning up the camp. So, uh, because there isn't a community to do it and you know, like Rob has been using his trash can here, obviously, which is great, but it's not easy for him to take it someplace. There's a dumpster in the front of the building, which is hard to get to. And anyways, the whole moral of the story is I'm a lot more involved in the day-to-day operations of this, uh, you know, tidying particularly. But I like that because I, my theory is that we have to like home or middle-class people love things tidy. Like it's their number one thing. They love to keep things tidy. So at any rate, uh, that's what's going on with that. So, so we have the protest then we have the, the right to shelter people on my own land. Uh, there is no law that says I can't have tents on my own land. They, they might try to say I'm having an illegal campground, but the fact of the matter is a campground is a place where you charge people to stay, and I am not charging people to stay. Therefore, I do not have a campground. Uh, it's just how it is. That's what the law says. If you're not charging to stay, you don't have to meet the requirements of a campground. So I do not have a campground. I have two tents and a tiny house. That's not a campground. Uh, and the fact of the matter is you could go in your upscale neighborhood, put two tents and a, a shed on your land and nobody would say anything. But because these are homeless people, it's different. They don't like homeless people. So at any rate... Um, So I have the protest. I have my rights as a private citizen to shelter people. And um, something else. I can't even remember. I get so easily distracted. But, um, But, well, and then I will say this, that like in this setup, I feel like there is a lot less threat and fear of, oh, 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 yeah, thank you. Now, thank you, Sage. So the two people that are here are very interesting to me because they've both been chronically homeless and they both have like real issues that need addressed if there is any hope for them to... Um, get back into society. And I don't know if you heard, but, you know, I asked Andrew how being homeless was, and he said it sucks big frogs or something. I don't know what he said. I missed it. But basically, it sucks. He hates it. And this today, for example, is a beautiful day. It's 70, low 70s. It's sunny. The greenery is coming in. But yet, it still sucks being homeless. So, we cannot just write these people off that they choose to be homeless, that they this is the lifestyle they want. 
Most people do not want that. Andrew says that he wants electricity, water, and what was the other one? Shelter or heat or something. I don't know what he wanted. But uh, he just wants the things that humans have. And that's very important because a lot of times we as as a society come in and inject our opinion on these people. And we're like, you need to quit drugs. You need to get a job. And that's their perspective. If they were unemployed or on drugs, that's what they would do. They would try to quit drugs. Supposedly they would try to quit drugs and get a job. Now we know that that's not true. Of course, there's many people in houses that uh, don't have jobs and are on drugs. 95% of addicts live indoors, live in houses. Uh, So but that's what they want. Now Rob, for example, I think is getting a job, but that won't, that won't make them happy either. You know, they'll be, you know, they'll, because they don't like looking at people that live in tents. They don't like to believe that this is needed. But what I'm here to tell you is there are more foundational issues that need to be addressed than quitting drugs and getting a job. Primarily, you got to work on what's in your head. You got to deal with the um, mental illnesses that you are experiencing. If you didn't have a mental illness coming into being homeless, you certainly got one while you were on the street. That primarily being trauma. Living on the street is trauma. It is, that is pretty much what trauma looks like is living on like exposed in a dangerous environment, your stuff getting constantly stolen. And we're learning that uh, trauma is highly impactful in people's lives and really gums up their existence. And this isn't even PTSD. This isn't post-traumatic. They have that, but their, their, their trauma is recurring and in the present. Every day is trauma for them. You know, and so the reason you want to sanction camp is you need to try to minimize the trauma so that not every day is trauma filled, that you come to a place where you feel safe. You feel like you have a chance of being able to stay a while and so forth. So. Um, (laughs) 
this is the hands-on work that I'm trying to do right now. And I'm not trying to get them to quit drugs, although I tell Rob that like he's the worst drug addict I've ever met and drugs are not for him. He's like literally like he is the only person I know that smokes pot and gets amped up. I'm just like, why are you doing this to yourself, man? Um, <laughs> but I'm not trying to get him to quit drugs. Um, I'm putting a base. I'm putting a shelf underneath their free fall. That's what a sanctioned camp is. And then we know where they're at. You want to help them? You want to help them with their mental health? You want to help them with getting uh, food stamps or getting whatever? You know where they are. They're right here. So, okay, and then I have a fourth thing. I'll see if I can remember. Okay, so let's, re let's reconvene uh, so far. A protest movement. A... Uh, private property a right a um, kind of program if you will to help two homeless people kind of just show them that they're loved shoot oh I knew I was going to forget uh, hold on hold on okay four things oh and it's a bit of a showroom it's a concept my 50 person tent village was a concept but uh most people couldn't handle it <laughs> i'm a startup guy i'm a visionary i'm a futurist i'm a i'm an entrepreneur i like i like creating things and so I really truly believe that what we had before was way ahead of its time for our city and uh, they were not ready for it. But two tents in a tiny house, they might be ready for that. And the reason I think so is because the manager of our continuum of care here in Summit County, Ohio, uh, Marquetta Bodie said in a recent news article that she believes it's time for us to consider things like sanctioned tent villages and uh, tiny house villages, which is huge, huge for anybody in authority to say huge, huge, huge to publicly say that. And she pointed out that like rent prices are going up. It's, it's really hard to get people into housing and yeah, 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 yeah. All that, all that. Um, so I kind of want this to be like a concept car that's a little more manageable for people to digest. The other concept car that we created was the real concept. This is like uh, just a showroom piece. You know, two tenths um, is not uh, meaningful from a numbers perspective, but is meaningful for these two guys. Um, 
and I think is um, digestible for the the average person. You're like, oh, look, it's a cute little area with a couple tents. And maybe they'll come and talk to these guys and be like, so how do you, what do you think? How do you, what do you think of the, the living like this? How is this? What would you like to see better? Blah, 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 blah. And maybe they will be ready to experiment with this at this point in time. Now, keep in mind, I do not advocate for federal or government money on these. I think this should be privately run. Um, because it's like one of these controversial things that they're like, so what, we're in the ghetto business now, the federal government, we're into making ghettos? And I'm like, nah, I don't know. I mean, I think little villages, why do we need that? The government doesn't subsidize my house. I mean, I pay taxes, which is fine, but I didn't have to go to the government to buy my house. I bought it from on the private market. And the same goes with this. This can be a private market deal. You just have to let us do it. Um, in my space... A tent is free, although I'm thinking about charging for electricity. Uh, a tiny house costs $100 a month, and then living in the house is $300 a room. So I've got the whole kind of transitional ecosystem. But I don't like to really call it transitional because I don't like getting in the mindset that this isn't good enough. This is fine. Absolutely fine. Um, a tent in the winter is cold, but if I can heat it with electric heaters, hopefully without burning them down, that's the biggest problem. Then I can, uh, address the heat issue. Um, the tiny house should stay warm all winter long. I might insulate the roof. We'll see. We'll see. Um, maybe the walls. I don't know. I don't know. We'll experiment with it. But um, we could put, like, blankets on the walls, right? Like tapestries or something. Um, and then, like, actually foam insulation on the roof. That could be good. So at any rate, um, Maybe the city's ready to try it again. But what they have to know is point number one, that this is a protest and I'm not taking it down this time. I'm not taking it down. They can come and tear it down and I will rebuild it. They can do whatever they want. But I'm not quitting this time. I am not quitting. Let's see. So... Um, that's the deal. That's where we are with this. And, um, we'll see. I'm just the shelter guy. Like, that's just my thing is that I enjoy, 
Um, this part of working with homeless people and some people don't, some people like working, you know, serving food. A lot of people like doing food, which is great. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. I love people that want to do food. Uh, some people like bringing clothes or making little, uh, bags of goodies and stuff. And those are awesome. I, I'm so thankful, but that's just not my thing. I'm just into the shelter component of it all. And so that's, that's kind of what I'm, you know, that's, that's my deal. So, yeah, so that's where we are with all of that. Um, logistically, the issue is keeping this place tidy. And um, you start saying stuff to yourself like, I'm not your mom. Clean up after yourself. But that kind of mentality uh, just and makes you end up with a bunch of trash in your yard. <laughs> you can uh, either be right or you can uh, just admit the truth, you know? Like, yeah, like I just had to take a bathroom break and uh, I was over in this one area and I see some, a few pieces of trash kind of rolling down the hill and I'm like, oh man, this is so ridiculous. Like if I've said it once, I've said it 5 billion times, we need to keep this place tidy and, you know, and, but like, and they're obviously trying like this one trash can is filled with stuff. Right. And maybe that's the deal. You're like, well, I mean, the trash can's full. So what do you want me to do, Sage? I don't know what else to do. I'm like, yeah, well, good point. And then you're like, well, where the hell did all that trash come from? Like, how do you move that kind of trash in a couple days? I don't even understand it, you know? And then like, for example, there's a bag of those plastic, um, like, uh, bowling pins, you know, like a kid's bowling pin thing. And so we have kind of a hoarding issue that goes on around here that I guarantee this person was out probably last night going through trash bins, going through dumpsters and found this, this setup of, uh, um, Bowling, plastic bowling pins. And I guarantee he's like, wow, that's so cool, man. We can play that at our place. No, 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 we cannot because we're not going to. It's just going to sit in that bag and you're, and it'll start collecting around all the other crap. So like all of this has to go, you just constantly have to keep up on this stuff. And, um, when, again, when you had a 50 person tent village, the people of the community did it 
and the rules were very clear, you know, you couldn't have stuff outside your tent. And the, one of the nice things about it was there was no room. You were, there was, it was wall to wall tents. So it wasn't like you had room to put stuff next to your tent because there was a tent right next to your tent. But out here it's more spacious. So you're like, Oh, look, I have room to spread out. No, 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 no. You do not have room to spread out. You must not have anything outside of your tent. The rule here is anything that is outside of the house, outside of the tiny house, outside the tents becomes mine. And by mine means I'm throwing it away, throwing it away. So when I'm done recording this, I'm going to go over there and I'm throwing away that junk. Um, and that's, and I don't know if I'm training them to get used to that or if they're like, ah, I just bring it home and Sage throws it away. It's perfect. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. I don't know at this point. I don't know. And I don't know if anybody knows, like who's doing studies on houseless living and people with mental illness that um, are living houseless. You know, I believe, I don't know if it's true or not, but I believe hoarding is a mental illness. And so, um, I just have like, because I'm not a therapist and because I have to, I have a, a place that needs to be kept clean. I'm not playing those games like they do on that hoarder show where you're like, okay, let's go through each little item. No way, man. No way. That shit is getting thrown out. It's getting thrown out and you can yell at me. You can hate me. I don't care. But the rule is if it's outside of the house, the tiny house or the tents, it's getting thrown away. And that's the deal. That is the deal. And so, um, and then I think like, you know, they're probably playing these games like, well, Sage won't be here today. Well, who knows when Sage will be here? You never know. Hey, Andrew, you ready to be on my big show? All right. Pencil you in for next time. You got it, buddy. Don't you worry. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Get the world, let the world hear you and hear, understand your issues. You know, one of the things that bothers me about the homeless situation is we have these people in these, in these, uh, bureaucracies that tell us, tell you how you should live. Right. And they never ask you how you should want to live what you want. And, uh, and we need to change that. We need, we need these people to get out of their offices and get in these camps and start talking to people and understanding them and finding solutions that work for the people they're working for. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Like so how the country was founded. And yes. How about that? And how about the fact that people have lived in tents for hundreds of thousands of years and we don't need to diss people just because they're living in tents. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean that's where they're always going to live or how they're going to live or anything. It's just who they are. And there's nothing wrong with it. They're still good citizens. And they just, we're just, they're just Americans. Right. That's all. Yes, the judgmental fucks should learn how to be not judgmental. I mean, if they want to work on something, they should work on themselves. Well, that would mean they'd have to do work. 
I know they, but that's not good. They just like sitting around judging other people. That's their, that's their entertainment about how amazing they are and how shitty everybody else is. Everybody does it. The liberals do it to the conservatives. The conservatives do it to the liberals. The rich people do it to the poor people. The drug addict, non-drug addicts do it to the addicts. Everybody is better than everybody else, and they all know how to live life, and we should all just live the way they think we should live. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like they would live, uh, literally, I think they would live in a totalitarian government if they could live, if, 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 if they could just live exactly like they want to live and make everybody else live exactly the way they want to live, you know? Yeah, it would be a cruel dictator monarchy. And I think a lot of people would love it because they're tired of having to deal with people that aren't like them. Right. Yeah, they want to be told what to do as long as it's what they want to do. You could be it. You're in the running. You're blonde hair, blue eyed. You are in the running. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, no, but if I became a dictator, then they would say I was, uh, I was, I was racist. And of course. Yes, that's true. And then they'd be judging you for being a dictator because of the color of your hair and eyes. Right. Like I had any, uh, any say. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah, that's true. It's your fault. You're blonde and blue eyed. You shouldn't have done that. All right. Well, if you're not going to be on my show, you got to go away. I'm we're talk. I mean, we're just, you know, I'm having a real show and they can't hear you. So, you know, it's probably a weird show right now. So if you would just come here, sit in that chair and talk to me, we'd be fine. All right, fine. All right. You do it next time. Sounds good. <laughs> See you, Andrew. Um, so at any rate, we just, we've just got to, oh, Laren, I don't want to talk to Laren right now. Um, oh, it smells good. Like somebody's smoking meat or something. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we have a little um, grill I put over here, and uh, there's ashes in it, and it looks like people maybe are using it, which is great. Super good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Um, so, at any rate, I don't know if there's any hope for humanity. I don't know if we can ever stop judging people. I just don't know. I don't know if we have it in ourselves to do that. Because it seems like the human, the favorite human pastime which is to judge other people. And um, I'm here to tell you the judgment 
is the problem. We get pissed off somebody isn't living the way we want them to live, isn't worshiping the right God, isn't saying the right words. And then that's how a war starts. Like, that's it. A war starts because somebody yelled at somebody for, you know, cutting them off in traffic. That's it. That's what creates lifetimes of hate and animosity that we cannot forgive and we cannot let go and we cannot accept. And we're all guilty of it. I don't know a single human that is just cool about every other human. Um, and I mean, it does come down to your, to a point where you're like, well, I can't be cool with the humans that are hurting other humans. And you have a, and, and, and you see, and I think that's accurate. Like, I think that's right. That you can't just let people get away with just anything you can't accept everything. So you have to say that is wrong. That is hurting other people. But then I think that's how it all starts. Is that you say that. And then it cascades into other things. You know. And so we just keep coming back to like hating each other because of one thing. Either it was a little thing that spun up or it was a big thing that spun down. So, you know, in America, it's like the Democrats versus the Republicans. It's like, you know, it's like a football game, you know, the Browns versus the Steelers. And, uh, we, we're, we pick sides. And as soon as somebody says they're on the other side, we instantly make the choice that we either like them or don't like them because of the side they're on. We make snap judgments and we scale up those judgments into grandiose visions of these people. You know, you say you're a Republican and that means a hundred different things to a Democrat and vice versa. And, uh, and our leaders do it to us, you know, the Democrats say that the Republicans are racist and that they're, um, trying to squelch the vote, you know, and, uh, the 
Republicans say that it's the radical left and they're trying to become socialist. They're trying to make the country socialist. And hopefully if you're on one side or the other, you were like, oh, well, that that's true. <laughs> like as a, as a uh, liberal, when I said, you know, Republicans are trying to squash the vote, I said to my mind, oh, well, that's true. I don't know that that's true. I don't know all the issues behind that. That's just what they tell me. That's what my media tells me. That they're, you know, creating the most stringent, hard voting laws in a million years. Back to Jim Crow, you know. That's what I'm hearing. So I don't know, but I don't know what the laws are. I don't know what they're trying to do. I just read it in my, you know, in my liberal-leaning news articles. And so we stay divided because we stay in our own echo chamber and our leaders and our media keep us at each other's throats because it makes money and it keeps you voting the right way, keeps you voting the same and it sells advertisement. And, but it's at the expense of our own mental well-being and our community as a whole, because then we just keep looking at ways to hate each other. You know, we just are constantly sizing people up based on a word they said or an action they took or the way they live to be like, Oh, I don't like that person. Why? Well, because they're that person. And people do it with race, but they do it with um, drug use. They do it with class. They do it with location. You know, the, the liberal elite calls these states the flyover states. You know, that's condescending. And uh, it just keeps us hating each other. And if we had leadership that was like, look, man, you got, <laughs> you got to stop judging people by the color of their skin or the car they drive or the house they live in or the drugs they do. And you got to judge them by the content of their character. You got to meet them. That's what Martin Luther King Jr. said. You got to meet them. You got to decide if a person's a piece of shit or a good person, regardless of their skin color or the drugs they do or the car they drive or the house they live in. And that's not easy. Other, But that's the only real way to do it. And everybody else, you got to leave alone. Now. If a person murders somebody, they got to go to jail. But you know what? You don't have to hate them. You don't have to hate anybody. The content of that person's character is they're a murderer. They murdered a person. They got to go to jail. I don't have to hate them. I just have to make sure they go to jail. That's all. 
person robs from another person, they got to go to jail. I don't have to hate them. I don't have to hate anybody. I don't have to hate anybody. Now, person decides to get dressed up in a, in a, in a, in a sheet, put a pillowcase over their head and join a group called KKK. I don't have to hate them. You know why? Because they're fringe, crazy fucks. Okay. They go out. They're like white power. Yay. All right. Good. Go white power yourself. I don't have to hate them. If I really want to know, now these ones are tricky because they don't have, they don't go to jail for being that. Now I got some work to do. Now, instead of making snap judgments, if I really care, if I really want to decide whether or not I hate that person or like that person, the only way I can do it is to go meet them and understand them and talk to them. Just because a person's part of the KKK doesn't mean you understand them. Okay? Malcolm X was part of the Nation of Islam. He called all white people the blue-eyed devils. Hated white people. Hated them. Until he went over to Mecca, until he went over to the Middle East, where he learned what real Islam was. And the fact that Islam is not just black people. It's There are blue-eyed, blonde-haired Islamic people in the Middle East. Blue is mind. Blue is mind. So he left the nation of Islam, and he become, became uh, more accepting because you know what he learned? He learned you have to judge people not by the color of their skin or eyes, the content of their character. That's what he learned. That's what he learned. We all have to learn it. We got to stop making snap judgments. If you want to hate people, then it's on you to determine whether or not they deserve to be hated. Because I'll tell you something. There's a lot of pieces of shit that don't wear pillowcases over their head, okay? They're real pieces of shit. And sometimes they say they're part of your party and they drive the same car as you and they live in your same neighborhood. They look just like you, but turns out they're pieces of shit. They beat their wives. They abuse their children. They shirk their responsibilities. They're pieces of shit. Now, there you go. Now you got a real piece of shit on your hands. (laughs) And you are free to hate them. Thank you for listening to Sage and the Houseless Movement, a weekly show dedicated to the news and views of the homeless locally and worldwide.